This is Dr. Sheldon L. Akins, host of the Leading Equity Podcast and a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual host. For more great podcasts, visit edupodcastnetwork.com. And get ready, because the learning begins in 3, 2, 1. Coming up on episode 47 of Podcast PD, we discuss how classroom teachers are learning from one another and visiting other classrooms. We get into the positives and the negatives. And also, if something sounds so great, why are not a lot of people buying in? This is Podcast PD, the show that provides you with anytime, anywhere professional development. Our conversations and guests will provide you with the learning you might get in a faculty meeting or on a PD day. Except you'll have more fun with Stacey Lindis, AJ Bianco, and me, Chris Nessie. What is up, podcast people? It is me. Chris Nessie, and I'm joined for this episode of Podcast PD with my podcast partners, Stacey Lindis and AJ Bianco. Stacey, how are you? I'm doing well, Chris, doing well. It was a nice, relaxing weekend here in rainy New Jersey. And the rain, rain, rain came tumbling down. I'm singing a song about rain. I've never heard that before. I just made it up because I'm singing on a podcast. This podcast is not about singing. It's about PD. But before we get to that, tell us, how are you, Chris? I am doing well. It's a very exciting time here in rainy New Jersey, just like you. As we record this, I'm getting ready to celebrate Miles' seventh birthday coming up on March 12th. And I do not know where the last seven years went. I just thought to myself the other day as I was still able to roughhouse with him very easily. It might not be the same in another seven years when he's 14. <laughs> no, no. That's when your kids get taller than you, or at least in my case, they get taller than me. Well, they've got a ways to go to get taller than me. So yeah, it's not really I a hope hard to take feat. the same approach. <laughs> I hope to take the same approach that uh, my dad does. And that is uh, he's over 60. I'm over 30 and I still can't beat him up. There you go. He attributes it to all the WWE that he watches. I don't know. He's got like a third hand that I never see coming. <laughs> but things are good. AJ, how's it going, buddy? What is going on out there in the world of our podcast listeners? Things are good here. Uh, it is, I'm going to call it springtime because it's March and uh, the excitement boils every day for baseball season as I watch the scoreboard roll and the Yankees are doing well. And I can't wait. Season starts March 28th. Yeah, I can't wait. Not to throw too much baseball out there, but we learned that there are 330 million reasons why you would want to move to Philadelphia now. Only for 13 years, though. Only for 13 years. Actually, fun baseball fact. Anybody who's a baseball fan, you're probably familiar with one Bobby Bonilla who used to play for the oh, New York Oh, I know Mets. you're going to go with this. Go ahead, AJ. No, no, no. It. Go for it. It's an amazing stat, though. It's an amazing thing. So Bobby Bonilla is still currently being paid by the Mets like just a little over a million dollars or so per year, something like that. Something and he hasn't played state. for the Mets in the 90s. Yeah. What? How do we get that gig? Yeah, so he's still getting paid based on how they wrote the contract, and he will still be getting paid one more year after Bryce Harper's contract expires in 13 more years. What a life. Well, Bobby, I Bobby want that Bonilla. agent. Yeah, Bobby Winnie is probably one of the worst players the Mets ever touched because of his contract. Yeah. He was not really great worse player. before yeah, they he got was, him. He was okay. <laughs> he was okay. Bobby Bonilla. Bobby Bo. There you go. Bobby Bo. <laughs> That's crazy. Well, one day Chris and I will get that podcast going and uh, we'll share with you guys. We'll have the baseball the baseball talk podcast. Oh good. And then when I tune out, nobody will care. No, you won't be there. It'll just be for me and Chris. Exactly. You're not going to be a part of this podcast. That's what I'm saying, and I won't have to listen to it. But I do love, as we're recording this, you may have heard AJ's wife, the shadow in the background, say, what, another podcast? <laughs> <laughs> so Does Kate say go. that to you, Chris? I mean, she'd have to be awake right now to hear me talking about doing another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the joy of podcasting. You're always looking 
for another reason to turn on your microphone. Are you though? Are you really? Or you're Stacy and you wonder why you keep turning it on every other week. Just the fact <laughs> that Stacy shows up. Do. <laughs> the fact that Stacy shows up is a is a big one for us. Oh, that's not true. Yeah. For anybody who hasn't been with us since the beginning, it, it is a miracle that she's here because for the longest time, she was like, nope, I'm never going to podcast. I'm never going to do this. No, Chris, you House of EdTech, you, that's you. That's you. And, well, here we are. Episode 47. Episode 47. And I've been here for all of them? Maybe? I don't know. Maybe. You've been on all of them. Okay. That's good. If this is the CW show, you're like the main superhero and you can never not be on your own show. Wonder Woman. What are we talking about? We teach in a pineapple under the sea. <laughs> you really want to <laughs> sing today, huh? I'm just, yeah, I'm really feeling it. And other people are just like, nope, done with this exactly. episode. Chris, right. I'm done. So when SpongeBob visits classrooms, what's he going to see? I don't know, Patrick. Oh my God. I never watch that show. Yeah, so today we are talking about pineapple charts. Now, AJ, this topic came to us because you're currently spearheading pineapples in your school. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about what pineapple charts are and a little bit about the experience that you're having right now. And of course, Stacey and I will be chiming in based on our own experiences. Yeah, so uh, thank you for the, the, the kind introduction there, Chris. Um <laughs> So, so the pineapple chart. I'm sure it's something that that uh. Ah, it's SpongeBob SquarePants. Hey, wait, wait, wait! Throw me off on that one, there, buddy. Goodness, it actually legit scared the bejesus out of me. <laughs> <laughs> scared the bejesus out of me. So anyway, uh, I'm sure everybody out there knows what a pineapple chart is. Uh, it came from Mark Barnes and Jennifer Gonzalez of Cold of Pedagogy uh, in their book, Hacking Education. And uh, the idea behind the pineapple chart is to, the way I envision it, I'm not the one to take the words out of her mouth, but it's to get teachers moving to other classrooms to see what else is going on around them. You know, we're all kind of stuck in a bubble and stuck in our 20 square feet that what we do in our classroom is what we do and we're proud of what we do. And while we try to share the good things through faculty meetings or common planning time or team meetings, we're not really making any impact that we should. And that's why we want to invite teachers into our classrooms, not to observe, but to see what else they could do. You know, there's so many different ideas out there from, you know, problem, problem-based learning, project-based learning, flexible seating, the way we integrate technology, uh, how we even manage our classroom. A lot of other educators have questions and we can say, anything we want to and just describe, describe, describe. But I think it's time for us to say, you know what, why don't you come in and have a seat and learn a little bit? Uh, I know a lot of educators are kind of hesitant because they don't want anybody else in there because they're afraid of the observation. But if we can take it from a collegial approach where we feel good about the people and we trust the people that we invite in, then a pineapple chart can be extremely successful for teachers to see other teachers do what they love to do. Now, the term, uh, the fact that it's a pineapple chart, pineapple, does that actually have any meaning? Or, I mean, we could just, we could call it anything we want. So pineapple, is that significant? Yeah, no? so the, the whole thing behind the pineapple is it's the international symbol of welcome. So I guess, you know, you're welcoming people in the, in the room. The chart is what allows the teachers to come in and figure out what's going on around them. So the way it works is it's a blank chart and you, you set it up somewhere, whether it's a physical chart that you put in the office or if it's a chart that you use through Google Docs and share out through Google Classroom. Uh, it just tells the teachers what periods you are available. It tells the teachers what you'll be doing and it allows them to kind of bounce around and spend 15, 20 minutes or more if they choose to, to come see what's going on in your classroom for that day. That's the advertisement. That chart is welcoming to other teachers so they can come in and see exactly what's going on. Yeah, we actually have something like that in my school as well, and it's spreading throughout my district. Um, and we do the same thing. Our pineapple chart is literally straight across from where we sign in each morning. This way you can look at it 
Um, but we also have a Google calendar that we took our, um, we took our Google classroom calendar and I gave everyone edit rights so that if they wanted to put their pineapple chart information straight into the calendar, they could do that as well. Um, and that seemed to work in the beginning. Um, but we'll talk about some of the pitfalls and why it's not quite working out right now. Yeah. So this is something that my administration had asked me to kind of spearhead a little bit. Um, they're looking for ways that we can connect and get people into classrooms to learn a little bit more because there are a lot of questions and there are a lot of great things. The benefit of a K-8, which I didn't realize when I first started the K-8, is that we can really uh, see a lot of what's going on in education. You know, there's a lot of like, even centers for early learning, like those first, second grade classrooms, they totally are, are, are perfect and they fit in well with a middle school classroom. You know, the idea of flexible seating, I'm sure it's not a new thing, but now that we name it, in elementary school, sitting on a rug and then moving to a table is kind of flexible seating. Uh, that's a station as well. You know, it's a center. So we have a lot of different things that we can be doing in our K-8 classroom. So they asked me to spearhead this. And Stacey, while well, you mentioned the calendar where you sign in, I uh, opened it up to a small group of educators in my school who were willing to take a chance. And we're using a, a Google Doc. And I just created, you know, columns and rows with the dates and the periods. And I said, if you want to jump in there, jump in. And because again, it's a K-8, I said, if there's a box that's there and it's filled in, but it's not interesting to you and you want to fill it in for a younger crowd, jump in there. That's fine. So I'm kind of excited for it to take off. So let's, let's kind of, Let's see where it goes. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to having this conversation with you guys to see what else we can do. And for the listeners out there to try this in their schools, I really think this is a great system. I, I think it's a great system too, because, and, and speaking from my own experience, <clears throat> I've always worked with administrators that talk about, you know, we, that talk about the people and the great people we have in our school in the number of places that I've worked and implementing something like this really showcases the good things that are happening in your school where sure if I'm, you know, a, a departmental supervisor or a vice principal, sure. I, I'm going to be in more classrooms than most everyday teachers, because that's part of my responsibility is to go and get into classrooms and, you know, I'm doing observations and walkthroughs, but I've got that firsthand account of what's happening in a school. Whereas traditional teacher, I might not be able to get out of my classroom or utilize time on prep to go see what other people are doing. You know, I reflect back to, you know, when I had Luke, the student teacher, he was required to, you know, miss some instructional time to go out and do observations of other teachers, other subject areas. So I would, I would have sat with him to work out, all right, this is the lesson you plan. This is what I'll do. You can go see so-and-so in the science department or the math department or one of the other social studies teachers. Um, but I'm never really afforded that opportunity. Now I'm like you, AJ, in that I, I don't have a, an official pineapple on my door, but I'm always looking to invite people in to see what's going on in my classroom. When I have my students, you know, doing something, I'm the first person to, you know, email the principal or call down or, or you know, reach out to the VP or, I'll, I'll send an email right to the superintendent or the assistant superintendent. Hey, this is what the ninth grade world history students are doing in my charge. Come on in. I mean, last year at this time, I was getting ready to have them do a cultural expo, which was like a science fair in the history classroom. And I set up, you know, remote access where I sent out a link to a Google Hangout. And if you couldn't come from downtown or you couldn't make it physically, let me know. I had a Google Hangout running and you could come in. And talk to my kids or I would bring you around on my laptop and basically put a window into my classroom. Nobody took me up on that, but I made it available and, you know, I tried to sell it and promote it and, you know, at least provide the opportunity to see what's going on. And I sent it out to my colleagues as well. Um, but unfortunately, you know, nobody took me up on it, but it was still, you know, an engaging, enjoyable experience for my students. I just wish that what's something that I thought was innovative other people got to see in action and not just hear me talking about it after the fact. 
I think that kind of speaks volumes. You know, I think, you know, as I said at the beginning, we're all kind of stuck in our ways. And whether we are teachers or school leaders or supervisors, you know, I, I think, I, I want to think that we have all the intentions on trying new things and making our way to other classrooms to see what else is going on. But hopefully it's just that we get caught up with other things. You know, hopefully it's the fact that, you know, we have other things to juggle that we can't do it. Or if it's a prep period for a teacher, you know, they want to use it for grading. You know, maybe a lot of teachers don't want to take their stuff home. So it does hurt, Chris. And I understand like when you have such an innovative idea and that you are proud of the things that you are putting together for your students and for your students to show off what they learn, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a slap in the face when nobody shows up, but you know, I think if we create the culture in our buildings, that this is a concept that we're going to start doing, then maybe more and more, it'll start happening. You know, I, I think this could be a great starting point, you know, instead of just an email, because honestly, how many times do you get an email and you just kind of throw it by the wayside, you know, maybe setting up a chart where, it's in the main office or someplace local where administrator can say, I wonder what's going on today, you know, and they look at it and then all of a sudden maybe administrator pops in. Um, I know it's hard. I, I know it's hard and I know it gets a little bit difficult when you are the one who's putting yourself out there and nobody else is kind of doing the same thing in return. Well, let me ask you this, AJ, because it, I'm, I'm not saying I would be uncomfortable approaching administration to say, Hey, let's actually do pineapple charts and set something up and let's find a space somewhere that's common that a lot of people can check out, whether it's physical or digital. But in your case, your administration came to you. What was that conversation like and what was your reaction to it as, you know, a quote unquote classroom teacher with this being brought to you? Yeah. So I know I've mentioned this before in several different podcasts in the district that I'm in, uh, we're part of, we're like a sister school of the Northern Valley and we have a curriculum center. And one of the PD offerings this year was about teaching and leading. And since I'm more focused on leading and that's one of the passions I have, I, I looked at this last year and I was like, you know, I'm going to jump on this one. And I didn't realize that when I signed up for it, both my principal and assistant principal would be there as well, which was great. You know, and it kind of really opened the conversation up for, you know, things that I can do in the school and, and future aspirations and whatnot. Um, so the good thing about this was that we had to have some kind of service project, I guess, for our schools. And I said to my principal, I was like, look, I have my vision of what I would like to do, you know, for myself. I was like, is there anything in the school that you would like to see? And I told her what my idea was. And she's like, you know what? That would be a good idea. She's like, well, why don't we start with this? Because it was more directed to the school. And I wanted to make sure it was something in the school. What I wanted to do was connecting all the social studies teachers from all the other uh, middle schools. But she was like, you know what, let's do this because this could be more beneficial for us. So somebody actually had done the open classroom once before, but it kind of fell off. And they didn't do it the way they were doing it with the pineapple charts. They did it more like, okay, I want to host a walkthrough. Anybody want to join me? So um, while it worked for a little while, it just ended because just that's what happens sometimes. Um, so my principal said to me, she goes, let's get this pineapple thing going. It works very well at the high school and let's make it hap happen here so we can uh, you know, understand what they're doing and why they're successful. So that's really how, how it started. And I was very happy to get it going. Unfortunately, it's taken some time to get it off the ground just with, you know, personal things in my life and, and just, you know, some hiccups here and there, but we're excited to really get this thing moving now into March, April, May, maybe June, depending on what's going on. You know, AJ, I'm listening to you talk about this and, you know, the, the let's host a walkthrough and do that. We had something similar in my school for the past three years, one of which I wasn't there for. And it was, it was a little more formal in that um, they would happen once, once or twice a marking period. And then um, there would be like those formal, like look fors, like look for this, look for that. And then there would be like conversation after. So like a total walkthrough. And I think people felt the feedback I think that that came from it was that people felt a little uncomfortable with that, that it was too formal and that they wanted something a little more flexible. So then um, the last two years, they kind of pulled back and just had scheduled days where anybody could open their classroom 
Um, and then you would know that like those were the days to go in and see Chris teach a social studies section or, or whatever. And then this year we, we really opened it up and we tried to just have a true pineapple chart where like everyone is self-directed and posting their own thing. And I think what I've seen is people aren't necessarily sure what to open their classroom for, or people aren't confident that like what they're doing that on any given day is something that's going to be worth having people come in for or putting it up there. Um, I know that we do have some teachers who are up there all the time. Like I literally have a teacher who she's her she literally has a post-it note that just goes straight across and for two sessions two sections because she teaches um different different grade levels and it's just like come see me whenever i'm doing this really cool project it's a year-long thing that i got a grant for come see me i i want that feedback i want you to just kind of see what your kids are doing when they're not with you because she teaches a special area you know um but i think part of where people get bogged down is, you know, and I suffered the same thing when I was in the classroom. I never felt that I was worthy. You know, I never felt that like what I was doing was worthy of inviting someone in or, um, you know, or people are just not feeling confident in just putting themselves out there for any type of criticism, even if it's never shared with them, just kind of like, you know, what kind of conversations could happen after. But I think, what your school has going for it is that they have you kind of leading the charge and kind of opening things up. And I, I remember hearing at an ed camp that I was at that, you know, it really takes a strong person, not necessarily a strong personality, but a strong person who is going to keep motivating people to do the thing. And that pineapple charts are really like work. Um, in that you want to make sure that they're full and that you want to make sure that people feel comfortable and that there's variety. And like, I think the word that you really like um, that, that hit the nail on the head is, is creating that culture. Like you said, you know, it's about changing the culture. And I think that that's what I got out of some of the pineapple chart um, presentations or sh- not presentations, um, sessions that I've seen at EdCamp where people have talked about like what has worked for them. And I know um, Middletown has a really good pineapple chart. I think it was Middletown. I could be wrong now. So take that out, Chris. Um, I know, hold on. I know that there are schools that are doing it really, really well. I will see if I can find that in um, some of the EdCamp session boards and see if I can share who those people are. Um, in at least our show notes and share with you as well. Now, Stacey, do you think in your role as an instructional coach, focusing on technology, that since you get the opportunity to be in many classrooms and work with teachers, that you could also be a facilitator of, hey, Mrs. Jones, you should go see what Mr. Doe is doing. And do you do that already? I do. And, you know, it's it's kind of interesting because this year um, I've adopted some classrooms where, like, if I have something that I want to try with something or um, people want to go completely in-depth and, you know, going in-depth, you don't have to be an adopted classroom. But just, you know, um, yeah, I, short answer, yes, yes, I've done that. Where, like, people have said, you know, hey, I'm doing, um, doing hyperdocs in my eighth grade math class. Come see it. These, this period, this period, this period. And I'm like, oh, okay, great. And then when I get there for that first period, that first block, I'll say, is this on the pineapple chart? And if it's not, do you mind if I put it up there? And then this way, because I can move around the building, like I can go up front and put it in the front office. But then because um, I, ha- I, you know, I'm the owner of the Google Calendar, I can also just put it up there as well. Or I can direct them to do that, you know, um, I'm also part of the PD committee where we do have conversations about this. And, um, you know, I'm one member of many and we do have some really good um, members of that committee who are like those, those people that you want to follow so that, you know, like, Oh, that person said it, it must be okay. You know what I mean? Like, or like that person's promoting it. I definitely want to go see what he's doing. So a lot of times we, we, we um, rely on our PD committee to also be the early adopters in getting people into their classrooms so that it feels manageable. And I, and I have to say, like, I have not been doing 
my part in making sure that this happens all of the time. So AJ, you know, I totally understand like the work that has to go into making this something that is um, vibrant and alive and has a lot of choice on it every single day and every single week, you know? Yeah. I, I think that was a hard part for me. I think, you know, just because teaching is my number one responsibility in the school and trying to figure out my lessons, my grading, my, my period off. And then, you know, taking time to then look at the calendar, look at the schedule, send in an email, drop a line, uh, 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 sorry, uh, update Google classroom. Uh, there's a lot of things there that have to be done. And yeah, I dropped the ball a couple of times and that's kind of why we, we didn't start in January. We started late February, you know? Um, but you know, that, that, that's, that's on me. That's on me. But, um, you know, you said before that the other way you were doing it was very formal. You know, I think it's very tough to just ask for teachers. Okay. I want to find a teacher who has great classroom management. Who wants to do it? You know, and a lot of teachers are like, well, no, I don't want to open my classroom for that. If it's going to be something that you guys are going to talk about while I'm not there, you know, so a lot of teachers make, are nervous about that. So, you know, I don't want to make this all about me, but um, for our listeners, if you're looking to start a pineapple chart or this concept in your school, what I did was I, I created a Google form. Uh, who wants to be involved? What do you offer? Um, what would you like to offer? And what would you like to see? You know, we called it wandering and hosting. You know, if you want to wander, what do you want to see while you're wandering? If you're going to host, what do you want to offer our wanderers? Do you want to do both? You know, how you, how is it going to benefit you? So honestly, I just kind of put it out there and I was a little surprised and happy that I had about 30 of our teachers in our school just fill out the form. And I was like, wow, this is great. You know, that's a great feeling knowing that there's so many people out there who you don't expect because I don't have those conversations with a lot of the teachers being in middle school. A lot of the elementary teachers were, were in, you know, it was easy for me to grab my middle school teachers, but a lot of the elementary school teachers were in and it really you know, made me smile to know that so many people were looking forward to changing their ways in their classrooms for the better. Now, there's two things out in the world. One is pineapple charts that we've been talking about. And obviously that started, like you said, AJ, with you know Mark Barnes and Jennifer Gonzalez. And Jennifer has a great blog post on pineapple charts that we're going to link to out at her website, which is cultofpedagogy.com. Now, I, I don't want to say on the other side of the coin, but there's another concept out there where it sort of divides these two. And, and what we've been talking about so far kind of blends these. But something else you who's listening might have heard of is what's out there is hashtag observe me, which involves educators making a sign similar to the pineapple chart, but it welcomes their colleagues to observe them. And they're specifically looking for feedback in specific areas, whereas a pineapple chart by itself, as it was originally conceived as a concept, is just, hey, come see what I'm doing. And I want to show people what I'm doing in my classroom. Whereas observe me takes on the, the the connotation of come to my classroom because I'm doing something that I want feedback on. This is something I'm trying. This is something I'm working on. Or maybe I'm honest enough to say this is something I struggle with and I'm trying new strategies. Would you be willing to come in and, and check it out and actually provide feedback? So I just wanted to make that distinction. And in the research I did in preparing for tonight's conversation, um, if I was going to do... I, I mean, I don't have the pineapple on my door, but I could just as easily print it out and put it up tomorrow and start to say, hey, come and see me. And these are the things I'm doing. Come check it out. And then obviously, hopefully take it to another level where it's there's a formal chart, whether it's physical or digital. Uh, but when I thought about Observe Me, I, I took a minute to think about what would I invite people to come in and see that I would look for feedback on. And I feel comfortable putting it out there. I'm comfortable in my own skin that I would want to invite colleagues in to see me to give me feedback on my questioning techniques and also how I provide closure to lessons. So in terms of my own day-to-day, I think I sometimes struggle with how do I end a lesson and would want feedback on that, whether it's exit tickets or some different strategies, uh, but then also throughout a lesson, the types of questions that I'm asking my students. So I would just like to throw that out there. And I think the Observe Me movement I think it's fantastic. You know, I think it's great because we're all looking to do better. And 
so many of us, as we go with through our teaching, right? Our first year of teaching, we're constantly observed. We're constantly getting feedback on what we're doing. And then when we get tenure, you don't have to be observed as many times. You know, you're losing that. You're not getting that feedback. I think the observe me is great for that, for that void, right? But on the flip side with the observe me, it makes me a little nervous because not everybody likes to give feedback. You know, so if you do the observe me and you're asking somebody that you trust, come in, tell me what it is, what, what do you notice? Um, I, I get nervous that a lot of people just say, well, you did a good job. You know, what, what's a good job? Like, what did you notice? Because then you're going to start poking and prying and figuring out uh, what the answers that you're looking for. You know, you really have to have colleagues who I don't want to say have been trained, but I think a little more work goes into the observe me movement because you have to really set it up like you're coming in to see this. Here's what I want you to look for. Here's what I want to talk about at the end. So are you giving, are you getting feedback or are you asking for specific feedback? Maybe I'm wrong with the observe me movement in that regard, but I feel like it could turn into that, you know? See, and Chris, I never Mm. thought about it that way because I always, you know, when it was, when it was in my school originally, it was, they were coming off of that formal, like, write down some feedback you have. Let's debrief what we've seen again, because they were more of those instructional walkthroughs. So can you tell us a little bit about like where your observe me information is coming from? I found an article that talked about the literally it was the differences between observe me and pineapple charts. And it was from the website, Robert com educator. I, I simply did a Google search for what's the difference between pineapple charts and observe <clears throat> me. And this came up. Um, this article also talked about positives and negatives of pineapple charts and observe me. Uh, do we want to get into some of that? I'm just intrigued to, th- to, um, to hear our listeners discuss, you know, if they, if they've actually seen that difference or observed that difference in their own, in their own experiences with pineapple chart and, and, or observe me, like if, if it's truly delineated or if it's just that Robert Kaplinsky has delineated it. Um, I well, like it just it seems to me that. No, it just seems, I mean, in, in terms of differences, if I'm doing pineapple chart, it seems like if, you know, let's say Joe, Bowtie Joe puts himself on a pineapple chart for a math lesson where he's going to do, I don't know how he does like questioning or something in, in the middle of a math lesson. If I go in there, I'm not going to go in there with the mindset of he's looking for feedback about how he can do this better. I would go in there looking What's he doing? What can I take from him? Now, I might ask questions after the fact, but it's going to be more for how can I take what I saw you do and apply it to me? Whereas if we do the observe me, if I walk in and it's somebody's asking for, I'm doing this, I'm going to go in there with a different mindset of I'm going to give you feedback. I'm going to give you constructive criticism and give you my thoughts on what I saw no, to try and make it better. That part I understand. But what I'm saying is like, if Joe invites you into his class to see his questioning techniques or you notice his questioning techniques and it's part of pineapple chart, there's nothing to stop you to get from giving him feedback is my point. And I think that like, even with pineapple chart, people can say like, Hey, this is the first time I'm doing this. Come in and just give me feedback. I, I have never really discerned a difference. I'm intrigued to like read that article now. And yeah, well, I'm not saying that there's, there has to be a difference or a divide. Like you can only do pineapple charts or you can only do observe me. I think they can coexist and you can certainly, you could, I think you could do either or and get the same results. Right. I agree with you on that one too. But again, I just bring that up because if anybody was listening, it's like, oh, well, I've heard of Observe Me. I haven't heard of Pineapple Charts or vice versa. Again, I, I think it's different sides of the same coin. And ultimately, I think that is you're a teacher and you want to get better at what you do. 
whether you hang a pineapple chart or you hang up a sheet that says, here's what I'm trying to get better at. Come and let me know if I'm doing it or what feedback you can give me, you know, take your pick. You could certainly blend the two. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It right, doesn't have right. to be one or the other. Right. I guess that's, yeah. I agree with you. No, I, I think I, I agree as well. I think it can go anyway. And I think, again, it's how you set it up with your staff and the comfort that you have that, you know, if it's just to pop in and see what's going on, you know, but hey, you know, you and I have a good relationship. We can talk about this. Here's what I noticed. Here's what I think would make it better. You know, even if it could become like a collaborative thing, it doesn't have to be like an observe me thing or a pineapple thing. Live it up. Learn from each other. And, Help each other. And, and depending on depending on where you are, you might not be, it might not be realistic to do what AJ is doing and, you know, approach administration or have your administration approach you, but there's nothing to stop you from connecting with people you work with and sharing each other's schedules. And when you can, you know, maybe you can find coverage or your schedules work out where you can go on your prepper during your lunch and go check out a colleague or ask somebody to come in and see you. It doesn't have to be this formal, you know, we're bragging about what we're doing in our school on Twitter. It can just happen with a very small select group of teachers in a department in the same hallway on the same floor. It doesn't have to be this big grandiose thing that happens. It could be very grand. Yeah, I love that. You, you really, that, that, that really is powerful right there. You know, it could be your lunch buddies. It could be your hallway. It could be your department. It could be a grade level, like whatever the case may be, honestly, to help make educators better and make schools better. So we're not all doing different things in the classroom next door. I, I really think this is a great way to, to go and a great practice to start. And, and Chris, you know, to piggyback on that idea too, um, you know, finding your lunch buddy or whatever, I think what we forget outside of just being observed formally by our supervisors and our principals or whoever comes in to give us our three, four observations a year or whatever it is anymore. Um, you know, I learned so much from my mentor when I first started teaching because she would come in when she could and I would go in and see her. And I think that, you know, having a mentor is not necessarily just a first year relationship, especially, um, you know, for people who change schools and don't, aren't necessarily assigned a mentor, they're, they're you know, if, if they're not a first-year teacher, you know, in the state of New Jersey, you're required to have a mentor your first year teaching. But, you know, I, I've worked with many teachers who it's their first year in our district and they don't have mentors anymore because they've taught somewhere else. And so even just having someone act as a pseudo-mentor or a buddy, like you were saying earlier, and having that person come in, you know, if your school doesn't have that formalized program of a pineapple chart or that hashtag, definitely seek that out and definitely find that person. It could be just one person, you know, um, who's going to help you find your way. So that was a great conversation on pineapple charts or observe me or the brand new program that's going to sweep the nation lunch buddies. <laughs> <laughs> yes. If you go to podcastpd.com slash 47, you can get your official lunch buddy chart. Buddy bands. <laughs> buddy bands. <laughs> For our listeners. Oh, cute. If Zach. you don't know where that's from. Cue the Zach oh. attack. If you don't know where oh. buddy bands are from, find out. Let me know. What was the other one? It was Buddy Benz and uh, Bell to Sell. Bell to Sell. Oh my god! Was that, was that, was that the pimple cream? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh my! Oh, you're too old. Um. <laughs> Boom! Just kidding. Come on, it's saved by the wow. bell. It's saved by the bell. I didn't watch Saved by the Bell. I'm sure you didn't watch Saved by the Bell. I did watch Saved by the Bell. I love Zach Morris. Then you should know. God. And Slater. So Jamie and, and Jesse I, being so excited. Jamie and I have a running joke that like Saved by the Bell can come on within the first minute or two. I'll know what episode it is. Oh, any, any true right, fan absolutely. can definitely She's like, that. how do you know this? I'm like, I don't know. This is like my childhood. <laughs> like, this is how I learned how to be a teenager.
<laughs> well, speaking of learning, now it's time to share the podcast or books that we're listening to or reading or websites we happen to stumble across on the internet. So uh, let's go alphabetical this week. AJ, you're up. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not going to go with a podcast this week. I'm going to go with a book that I just finished, the audio book of uh, The Big Leap. And uh, this was a recommendation from Dan Bauer. Uh, and it's a book uh, written by Gay Hendricks. And uh, I really enjoyed I really enjoyed this book because it kind of like puts you in, into perspective about how you feel and the things that you do. And basically, it's a self-help book. Um, so the book reads like this, and I'm going to give you exactly what it says. It's again, called The Big Leap and says, most of us believe that we will finally feel satisfied and content with our lives when we get the good news we have been waiting for, find a healthy relationship or achieve one of our personal goals. However, this rarely happens. Good fortune is often followed by negative emotions that overtake us and result in destructive behaviors. All right, in The Big Leap, Gay Hendricks reveals a simple yet comprehensive program for overcoming those barriers of happiness and fulfillment. Uh, presented in a way that engages both the mind and heart. Uh, the Big Leap has four hidden fears, a root from the upper limit problem, and the book delivers a proven method for first identifying which of these four fears prevents us from reaching our personal upper limit and then breaking through that limitation to achieve what Hendricks refers to as our zone of genius. Now, uh, I know it's a, a big read and a little bit listening and probably say, okay, who needs self-help book like that? I did. Um, that was something that I was kind of like dealing with it. Like every time I think of something good and all of a sudden my mind switches to the negative thoughts of, well, what's going to happen? You know, when's the next shoe going to fall? And, uh, I'm sure a lot of us kind of feel that way and we kind of keep it inside. Uh, but I'll be honest, it's something I think about all the time. You know, I always try to say, okay, well, I don't want to get too positive because X, Y, Z is going to happen. And I thought for the longest time it was because I'm a Jets fan, but I guess there actually is something out there that <laughs> there's something something out there that you really can deal with this upper limit problem where you kind of put negative thoughts in your mind because you don't want things to get too good. So I read this book and it was, it was really good read and I still have some hard times trying to get rid of those negative thoughts. We all probably have that as well, but it was a good starting point for me. And, and uh, if you're like me in any way, give it a read or a listen. That's what I did. What I will also add to that to actually tie it into podcasting, AJ, and you may want to go and even listen to this too. Uh, one of my podcast inspirations, uh, Cliff Ravenscraft, he used to be known as the podcast answer man, uh, and he has since shifted gears as a podcaster. Um, but he did a number of episodes on the big leap and in talking about it also was able to interview the author and you can find that over at mindsetanswerman.com slash 519. And again, that, that's with the author, Gail. And it, it was a good conversation. And then you'd actually be pointed to other episodes where Cliff really talks about this book and how he applied it to his life and uh, really inspirational stuff. Yeah, so that's cool. I, just, I, I can certainly speak to the positive message. I appreciate that. I just kind of clicked into that. I'm just reading a little bit through it and I'm, I'm excited to give this a listen. So uh, thank you for sharing that one. And speaking of sharing, um, AJ, I, I, I don't know if I took this recommendation from you, but I did make this recommendation to you earlier in the week. And this is a new podcast that I found from another one. So you can get podcast recommendations from other podcasts. Wait, that's what we're doing Hello. right now. <laughs> so I want to recommend just to go back to baseball and sports. And I don't know, maybe I'm looking for more personal development. And not that this is personal development, but it certainly falls into that guilty pleasure category. And this is a new podcast called The Rain Delay, and it is a baseball-based podcast. And the description is as follows. Looking for advanced stats, game breakdowns, and game nuances? Well, you're in the wrong place. <laughs> but if you want to talk mascots, memorabilia, and moments, we're here for, me. We're here for you. Each week, Cooperstown Kurt We'll welcome a guest from the world of baseball to talk about the lighter side of the game. Player interviews, movie breakdowns, and a quote-unquote on-the-road subset are just some of the episodes you'll hear. And this is a brand new podcast, which you can find at TheRainDelay.com. Episode 2 is out, but I've only listened to the first episode in the teaser. And in the first episode, Cooperstown Kurt talks to David Mickey Evans, who was the writer and director of The Sandlot. Oh, I love that movie. 
As do I. And you recommended this to me, Chris. And I, I still haven't got around to that episode, but I can't wait. Such a good movie. I don't like baseball, but I do like a good baseball movie. Forever. You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me. And now to our very own Wendy Peppercorn. <laughs> <laughs> Hardly. <laughs> Hardly. All right. So I'm looking for the description of this book and I can't find it. So just bear with me for a second, gentlemen. Good thing we're not live. Good thing. Me too, because your box is empty. I know. But I know what it is. I just have to find. I know what it is. Ugh, that's killing me. So the book that I finished this week um, is When by Daniel Pink. And basically he talks about the timing in life that you should do the things that you do. And there's science behind it. There is some really good research that backs things up. Um, whether it be when kids should go to school um, because they're, you know, when they're young, they're larks. So they're up early, they're full of energy, but as they get older in their teenage years, um, they become owls. And so they're, they're biorhythmic, they're, yeah, I think their biorhythms change and they, they tend to stay up later and wake up later um, and how that affects their education. When is the appropriate time to give a test? When you should take naps? I really like that part. It's like permission to have a nap every day, followed, um, preceded by some coffee. So that was pretty awesome. Um, I think I said testing already, but there was a whole lot in there that I really, really liked. I will say I like the first part of the book better than I liked the second two parts. Um, the, oh, the second and third parts. Sorry, I'm really flubbing this. I'll redo that. Hold on. I will say I like the first part better than I like the second and third parts of the book, um, just because it felt a little bit more relevant. It was a little less um, storytelling. And I, when I read a self-help book, I kind of like the practical, the more practical pieces of it. Um, but I really, really like the book. There was a really cool story in there about, um, about these, um, people who deliver food. That was kind of an interesting story, but it had no relevance to being a practical thing that I could apply. So, um, I struggled with, finding meaning in that, that I could bring into my own life. But it was a really, really good story. And if we were on a podcast, I would have loved it. Do you know what I mean? But in that book, it just, I, I couldn't find its purpose outside of making the book a little bit longer. I usually love things by Daniel Pink. I like watching his clips on YouTube and, and um, his TED Talks or whatever. But give it a try when the science and blah, blah, blah of, of time. No, it's a it. wonderful title. I know, I know. Right. I'm the science of blah blah whatever. Blah. <laughs> it's um when the scientific secrets of perfect timing. So there you go. This might have been perfect timing. Thank you for the recommendations, Dave. <laughs> You're welcome. So a couple of things before we head out the door for this 47th episode of Podcast PD. We are getting closer and closer, two weeks at a time, to episode 50, which we're calling Hashtag podcast PD 50. We would love to put together our 50th episode with not only hijinks and antics from the three of us, but we'd love to hear your voice recommending some of your favorite podcasts. So I'm actually going to borrow something from Dave Jackson and I'm going to apply it here. If you could only listen to one podcast, not one episode, but one podcast, what would it be? So what's the show? What is it? And why would that be the one podcast you would be happy for the rest of your life to listen to? And you can send us that over the next few weeks. Go to podcastpd.com slash feedback and send us an email, send us a speak pipe, uh, reach out to any one of us on Voxer and let us know. And we will make that part of our 50th episode, which is coming up near our annual anniversary. Episode 50 will come out on April 24th. 2019. And I just want to be one of the first people to say thank you, Stacey, for coming up with hashtag podcast PD. Uh, thanks for pushing me, Chris and AJ, the night before a race um, and making it a real thing. 
and also regarding feedback. If you are an educational podcaster, we would love to promote your podcast right here on Podcast PD. So all you need to do is go to podcastpd.com slash promote your podcast and complete the Google form. We would love to get some audio and we will play uh, up to a 30 second bumper for your show. So tell us what it is, where to find it, where to find you. And again, go to podcastpd.com slash promote your podcast. And that's on a first come first serve basis. Well, gentlemen, I think we did it. I think it is time to close out our show. We'll go eat some pineapples now and um, have people watch us do it. And on that note, as Chris puts on the Iron Man mask, it is time to say goodbye. Say goodbye, Christopher. Goodbye, Christopher. Say goodbye, AJ. Goodbye, AJ. Goodbye, Podcast PD. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Podcast PD. For links to all the resources mentioned in this and every episode, please visit our website, podcastpd.com. You can connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at AJBianco. And I also blog at AJBianco.me. You can connect with me on Twitter. I am Mr. Nessie. And I would love it if you also checked out the House of EdTech podcast over on ChrisNessie.com. You can connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at irontech, and I blog at irontech.me. Connect with Podcast PD on Twitter and Instagram at podcastpd. We'd also love to have you as a member of our Facebook community. Go to podcastpd.com forward slash Facebook to join. You can help us reach more educators like you by telling someone else about the podcast. So share us with a colleague. And if you do it on social media, please make sure to tag us. Podcast PD is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcast for educators, podcast by educators. For more podcasts, visit edupodcastnetwork.com.